coming to you from the City of Angels. You're tuned in to Rob Save Sports, your daily dose for all things LA sports. Join us and let's save sports one podcast at a time. Now, your host, Robert Yamagata. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Rob Save Sports Podcast. We got another great one for you guys. We're going to talk about the emergence of Amir Coffey. And, you know, a little bit of struggles down in with the Lakers. And an injury update for the Kawhi and PG. And ending it with, you know, some other stuff from WWE releases. And now we have come to the point where Amir Coffey has really, really come into his own as far as a legit... Uh, NBA player you know he was someone that was undrafted with the Clippers uh, three years ago uh, out of Minnesota you know he has you would say the prototypical uh, NBA wing size you know 6'7 220 uh, you know very athletic you know his shot was an issue coming out of college but you know year after year you could kind of see it kind of see him developing but I think a lot of people really didn't expect uh, this big of a jump from him this season, even even with coming into uh, before the season started. Because during the summer league, uh, he you know he was tasked with being kind of like the focal point of the team, and you know that really didn't work out for him. There was a lot of struggles with him trying to sh- shoot efficiently, and so he was coming in with pretty low low super low expectations but you know throughout the pandemic throughout the injuries and people being out with health and safety protocols you know he's clearly taken advantage of the needed spot on this rotation and he's pretty much excelled right now you know with him being a starter or coming off the bench he's been giving the team quality effective minutes every single time he's on the court and you know with him He's since mid December, he's averaging 12 points, five rebounds, and almost three assists a game, and shooting 48% from three. You know, I know that's not sustainable, but for how much volume that he's been shooting over the past month and a half, and him to shoot that well, I think it's a very, very good sign that his shot is starting to get very, very comfortable for him as far as spotting up. Or, you know, he showed a little bit off the dribble as well. But overall, like, it's been a great story for the Clippers uh, this season. You know, there aren't a lot of good things coming out of this season. But I think the development of Amir Coffey has been a very, very positive sign for the Clippers. And I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this offseason. But I think, you know, he obviously deserves a full time uh, NBA contract wherever he goes but I would especially want him back on the Clippers this uh, for next season and in the future because he's a solid piece and you know the only thing that we've got in since uh, Paul George went down in um, late December is you know they have to extend the timetable to reevaluate his elbow and then Kawhi still really nothing other than the fact that they said he would be coming 
he's ahead of schedule, which I don't know exactly what that means, but the the rumors and then the you know the sources that are have not been confirmed is that Paul George could be you know sidelined for the rest of the season to get surgery on his elbow and you know I can't really confirm or deny what the sources who the sources are but overall I think it's really just about the waiting game I feel that if he needed to get surgery if he needed to get surgery I think he wouldn't have gotten already by now just because of how long uh, that injury takes to heal but you know I think they're trying to figure out a way to get him healthy and get Kawhi healthy to maybe make a push in February or March just to, just to see where the Clippers are at right now because overall I think they're still in you know the playoff uh, playing contention in that area and you know they've gotten through this middle of January so far they've gotten to stay afloat basically you know they've had still people in and out of the lineup you know Luke Kennard is back and then there's just been some in and out stuff with uh, Nicholas Batum it's just a lot of guys in and out of the lineup and a lot of pieces that aren't being aren't there consistently so it's hard to it's hard to judge you know the maximum potential that this team could have with the guys with everyone there so and you know the reason I'm talking about this is because the question would be if they are healthy or do they need to make any moves because the deadline is coming up for the NBA trade deadline and and there's been a lot a lot of suggestions some rumors about Clippers being sellers during the trade deadline because if Paul George and Kawhi aren't coming this uh this season then they could look to maybe offload some uh veterans that they have on the team and like you know the the only handful of players that they could like legitimately move it just doesn't seem like it would be helpful overall for the team you know because they have Marcus Morris who has a year this year and next year on his deal left you know Bledsoe has a partially guaranteed contract uh, next season and uh, Serge Ibaka has got expiring this season. There are a lot of ways that they could move the players, but overall, I think you would be sacrificing uh, way too much to try to offload those contracts. And then with also, with the exception of trying to trade for other guys with even bigger contracts, it seems just, it doesn't seem like it's a smart move at all to trade to continue to trade away the assets that you have to I don't know somehow make a push or just completely 
blow up the team when you really have no gauge on how good the team is when everyone hasn't been healthy. But obviously we have seen them when everyone's healthy with Kawhi, with PG, with everyone else, that they're clearly a top team in the West, a, a top team in the NBA. And it just feels like it would be rash and a very unwise decision to make these kind of moves. You know, they've the Clippers have always made moves during the trade deadline or right before it. I would advise them to not do much. You know, obviously, they'll probably make some small moves around the edges. But again, I don't think there's anything out there uh, specifically that they can do to improve upon this season, but also um, next season as well. So I think the best thing right now is really just to stand pat and try to figure out and to get everyone healthy to make sure that you can develop some of the young guys on the team and continue to build good, solid continuity for this Clipper team when Paul George and Kawhi come back. And the next thing we're going to talk about is, you know, a little bit of trouble in Tinseltown with the Lake Show, with the LA Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers, and really, really struggling to find their footing as well with, you know, Anthony Davis, who's been out for a while, LeBron James was out for a little bit. And I think a lot of attention is on uh, Russell Westbrook, their newest addition to their roster this season. And, you know, obviously with him, he's a very uh, polarizing player as far as how how his play has been the past, you know, three or four years where I think there's been a real decline of efficiency that he's had uh, as far as, you know, a lot of things with decision-making, uh, defending, uh, perimeter shooting, and like a lot of things that, you know, I I wasn't a fan of when the Lakers traded for them. But, you know, with, with him and with LeBron, everyone's saying that LeBron always makes players better around him, but... You know, I really think that people did not want to believe that, you know, Westbrook is getting older and older. And that means, you know, with him, his athleticism is the most important thing to his game. And it's been declining uh, every single year. And I think what's also just been declining in his his ability to play uh, consistently at a high level as, you know, one of the best guards in the league uh, during his early years. And like, it's just something that it just looks, it just does not look right when he plays. There's a lot of bad shots. There's a lot of misassignments. There's a lot of bad rotations that he's had during the season. And it's been hurting the team especially uh, defensively because we've seen already that this Lakers team without even without Anthony Davis is 
really, really struggles to defend uh, any team. And that's, you know, really because they lost a lot of their defensive players uh, in free agency or trades. You know, they settle a lot with, because of Westbrook and the his how big his contract is, you know, their cast space doesn't allow them to spend on guys that, you know, you probably would need to fill certain roles for your team. But now it's just been guys on the veteran minimum and veterans who are, you know, way past their prime and trying to put them in positions to be major pieces in the rotation. And it hasn't been working so far because you got guys like Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, uh, Malik Monk, like a lot of these guys are still can give you a little bit offensively as far as perimeter shooting. But other than that, they are not equipped to handle defensive assignments at a consistent basis or just defend one-on-one really because you're asking you're asking guys over the age of 35 to try and guard at a high level throughout an entire game and it's it's like they can't their bodies can't do it or you know they just have no desire or ability to do it consistently and you can't do that consistently you're gonna have stretches where you're just allowing a team to score at will and that's gonna put you in very difficult spots to try and either keep leads or trying to get back from a deficit because you keep giving up points on the other end because you're not able to stop guys you know with Carmel Anthony he's been a very good offensive player for his whole career and he's still a good one now but him you know not being able to defend at all it just makes your team it makes your team difficult to sustain it's just hard to win uh, games when your team doesn't play defense because it's like with uh, Malik Monk too you know he signed with the Lakers on a minimum and you know clearly he has he's very skilled on offense and I don't think anyone could suggest that he's not a good offensive player but the re- I think the reason he's not valued in the NBA is just because, you know, he's he's a small, undersized guard that can't defend guards. And when you can't defend at a high level, even if you're a highly, a high offensive player, it becomes your scoring 20 points a game but you're giving up 20 points a game on the other end so your value on the offense is being effective negatively by your defense and so and so you know it doesn't make sense that a lot of people are suggesting trades for westbrook 
when his value is so low that why would any team in the league trade any assets they have to acquire Westbrook? And then also talks of a buyout, you know, it's, I don't think it's, there's ever been a situation where a player who makes $40 million have been bought out of his contract. And that's not even on top of next season where he makes over $40 million a year. And, you know, you're going to make, I don't, I don't know a player in the NBA who would give up guaranteed money like that just because to help, help a team out uh, financially when, you know, they gave him the contract and a player, regardless of what you think, think of him should make the money that he's been given. And I think in that situation, if anyone is in that situation, making that money that, you know, you've signed and you deserve, why would you want to give that up just because, you know, you've been playing poorly and like people suggest that that would be the best for the team. You know, obviously it's a team sport, but in the end, these guys have the contracts that are given to them. And even with the buyout, if there was ever a chance that he does, like things of possibly the Clippers getting him on a buyout, you know, I don't need that. You know, honestly, I don't need that headache on the team, on this team for just this season. It makes no sense. And then with the possibility of bringing him back uh, next season with Kawhi and PG, like it doesn't make sense at all. And when you hear this coming from Laker fans trying to convince themselves that Westbrook is a good fit for the Clippers, you know, like one, you're not fooling me, but you're not fooling yourselves into thinking that you value Westbrook so low, but then his trade value is high high enough where you can trade him for good assets for your team. Like, that doesn't make sense at all. And I don't understand where people are getting that from. And then, you know, with the struggles that the Lakers have been having, you know, it's going to make, it's making uh, Vogel like a really a scapegoat for the team as far as why they're not doing well. You know, Frank Vogel has been known as being a very good defensive coach, especially in Indiana. And, you know, with the players on this team, I'm not surprised that they are not a good defensive team. Like, this team was constructed in a way where, I guess, their feeling was that they would be much better offensively, that even if the defense isn't that great, that they could still win a lot of games with their offense. But I think now it's their offense isn't that great either. And so, you know, they're really kind of in a bind right now to try and figure out what the best thing was to do. You know, they've had LeBron at center uh, since AD gone down, and that's been great for him as far as producing some of the best numbers he's had uh, this season, but you know him being 36 years old, he can't be that 
defensive anchor that you really need on this team that can't defend on the perimeter. And it's unfortunate that I think he's going to be the fall guy for the failures of the construction of this team. And, you know, you look on that bench, on that coaching staff, and you think, well, who on that bench has proven to be a quality coach? You know, they have David Fisdale that's been on the team, but or has been a, a coach for an NBA team, but, you know, he hasn't shown doesn't have a great track record as a head coach. But other than that, you know, there really isn't anything there that, you know, could make, could be major improvements. And then when I hear the name uh, Kurt Rambis as far as having opinions on the roster and how it should be used, you know, I think that that's also a bad sign if you're a Laker fan or if you're part of a franchise that listens to a guy who hasn't had a coaching job in a while and you look at his track record and you look at his non-success as a head coach you could see why that he hasn't had a head coaching job in a very very long time and so there are a lot of things wrong with the Lakers in this construction of the team and there are not a lot of good ways to get out of it you know they're gonna have they give up a lot of assets to get Westbrook why do you why would you think you could get assets for Westbrook now there are a lot of hard decisions that the Lakers are gonna have to make and you know Russell might have to make throughout the season you know I know some people have suggested him coming off the bench and, you know, all I have to say is good luck to that and try and convince him to come off the bench. But there's a lot of ego involved, and there's I think there are a lot of mistakes that I don't think the Laker organization really looked at, and they are going to have to figure this out. But obviously it's not going to be – it's not my problem to fix. How I don't have to worry about that. You know, we got other stuff to worry about with the Clippers, and we'll just leave it at that. And so the last thing we're going to talk about is the most recent uh, WWE releases. And the most recent one that we're looking at is uh, Mustafa Ali. You know, he hasn't been released yet, but he's made it very vocal, very publicly, that he wants to be released from his WWE contract. And over the years, you know, he's been with the team since 2015. He really got his start going on the 205 Live uh, program where he had some really, really good matches. And, you know, he got brought up to the main roster. He had a a small confrontation with uh, Daniel Bryan when he was there. And, you know, it's he's been... One of the guys that I think a lot of people were looking forward to him being there just because of one, he's a really good wrestler. And then two, I think he has a very creative mind for wrestling as far as his promos that he's made, his character work, 
and you know his overall wrestling ability and it really sucks that he has come to the point where a lot of people former people in WWE have felt like their ideas are not being listened to or the ideas aren't being followed through and I could imagine it gets frustrating for guys who are doing this for a living and being in a company where your ideas are not being received at all and you're given things that are inconsistent and being and not being popularly and are not being viewed like it's a weird thing to suggest that well it's not it's not the it's not the company that's the problem that you know isn't very good at developing storylines or having interesting wrestlers that it's a lot it's the fans fault for not supporting them enough that they're either released or they ask for their release or they don't resign and i kind of feel it feels like a slap in the face to people who watch their program like however bad their stuff is if you cheer for the bad stuff even if you cheer for the good stuff there's no guarantee that the wrestlers that you like will be on TV anymore. It's been so inconsistent and how they don't follow through on a lot of their stuff that how can people get excited for wrestlers coming in when they know that there could be at any moment you could either get released or your story could just end abruptly without any resolution. You know, it's a weird thing to gaslight your fans and the audience saying it's your fault that he's gone when he's not even on TV. And it doesn't matter how many times that, you know, people voice their opinions online or or anything that, you know, you think fans have the power, but... Ultimately, they don't, and it's up to decisions up top. And when up top makes keeps continuing to make terrible decisions, why are you getting? Why are you blaming the fans for not watching stupid storylines and bad creative? Like I don't understand that. Why are you? Why do you? Why are you constantly defending a company that does not care about its wrestlers? who continually calls them independent contractors that technically aren't a part of the company and are and are not and are not able to there isn't a lot of co- collaboration with the wrestlers and the people that write the stories you know there are there are a handful of wrestlers in WWE that they care about constantly and then for the others it's really a sink or swim uh, method that they use and 
I can see that I can get tired for wrestlers. That's why wrestlers are leaving. That's why wrestlers who have been released have flourished uh, elsewhere. You know, guys want to be creative. Guys want to be have the ability to know that their ideas are at least being listened to. Because not every idea is going to be good on paper or good can translate on paper to on television. You know, that's a given. But, you know, when when people start getting, when people are just sitting and catering week after week after week, trying to figure out a way to get on television, trying to think of any type of way to get on, and then they get released and people get upset. And then your reasoning is, well, it's your fault for not cheering him and not rooting for him. That really doesn't make any sense. It's like if a TV show that nobody saw got canceled and then you had the whole cast and the director and the creator of the show blaming the audience for not watching it. Like you have to put on a good product for people to watch and people to be invested in it and it's wrestlers and people aren't just invested in a lot of the wrestlers on TV because they know that they could be released at any point. You know, I think there was one thing about because people are leaving, you know, other people are getting really big contracts. And I think there's kind of like a scale of how much money you would make and then also how much creative freedom that you would have in other companies you know because i mean if they're giving you so much money and you know you there's a willingness to live with some of the stuff that they do you know i'm not going to front a guy from saying okay i'm going to take the money because it's a lot of money but on the other hand if you can go somewhere else where you may not be making, you know, up to six figures, but you're making enough where you can live comfortably and be happy and have the creative flexibility to develop different uh, storylines or different characters for your wrestlers you know I think I think for a lot of people happiness can kind of make any type of money that you get uh, worth it than just just the money and hitting your job because I know a lot of people there that that hate their job but because it pays well you kind of just deal with it but if there are situations where you would be making less money, but you could go to work knowing that, you know, you enjoy what you're doing and you enjoy going to work every day. I can see where people can make the jump and people can decide that they choose their own happiness over just the money. You know, it's been happening a lot and I think it's unfortunate that people 
still want to cover for a company that doesn't even know if it's a wrestling company anymore and that it's not even listening to the audience input and so to go on and on about well if the fans were cheering more for the guy then maybe he'd get more screen time you know it feels it feels like a slap in the face for people that pay money for a product and so maybe people should not watch the show anymore because because whether or not a wrestler does well they will give the fans all the blame and none of the credit and you know with Mustafa Ali he's someone that I've really liked in the WWE you know he's very relatable but you wouldn't know that because they don't put that on TV with his story being a former cop and wrestling as a Muslim in the WWE and you know back then where those stereotypes were hit very hard and so with him you know I think it's come to a boiling point where he doesn't feel valued there and they value him in a way that really upset him to the point where he wanted to be released you know no one truly knows what happened with that conversation but I you and me can imagine what that conversation was and I can guarantee you that it was not a good conversation so for those who feel left out or feel like their opinions don't mean anything you know ultimately this company will do whatever it wants regardless of how the fans feel regardless of how the audience feels it's a decision for you to make whether or not to continue to support the company and if you have wrestlers that you like that go somewhere else to follow them keep them continue to support the wrestlers instead of the company and that's going to do it for this episode of the rob say source podcast thank you for listening thank you for subscribing if you see this on Apple Podcast or Spotify Podcast, please rate five stars, and we will see you next time on the Rob Save Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening to Rob Save Sports, saving sports one podcast at a time. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. To connect with Rob, visit us on social media at Rob Save Sports. We'll see you next time.